morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 100. Hard to believe we are officially eligible for syndication on TBS or something like that. And uh, I thought long and hard about what to do. I knew this number was coming up. Now, if you really went back and counted everything, it might be number 98, might be 99, might be 102. I don't know. This is, I teach history and not math, so I don't know really know how to count, but we're going to call it episode number 100. And so I thought of a lot of different things, what to do, who to bring on, so forth and so on. And what I decided to do is to reach out to the first three guests that were ever on a pen and a napkin. So guest number one, Mr. Kelly Flynn from Fremont High School. Hey, Marty. Guest number two, Mrs. Jennifer Raggi from Elkhorn High School. And guest number three, my wife's former high school history teacher, Mr. Kevin Sheaf from Wahoo <laughs> High School. Hi, Marty. Um, so I can't thank these guys enough for coming out here tonight at Wine 121. Uh Two of the three were able to find, or one of the three was able to find it fairly easily. <laughs> Two of the three kind of got lost a little bit. But apparently Tom Crable has a website right now, uh, wine121.com. It says on the wall, our website is up and running. So that's good to see. I could see that Tom did not write that because you can actually read it. So that's a positive as well. Um, but we want to thank Tom for coming out. I want to thank you guys personally from the bottom of my heart. Uh, being guests number one, two, and three, uh, taking a leap of faith with this whole thing a couple of years ago, um, and just kind of getting the ball rolling here. And it's hard to believe that 90-whatever episodes later, we're back and we're doing this. So thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. So Thank you for hosting it, Marty. Thank you. Yeah. So, So we are going to talk about some stuff. Some of it's a little bit of a mystery right now. Uh, Our first three topics of discussion, I actually, I turned the tables. I said, you guys need to come with some stuff to talk about here tonight. Uh, Bring a topic to talk about, and we'll talk about it here, and I've got a list of a few things, and um, wherever we kind of go, that's where we end up going here. So we're going to go in the order of original the ogs original guests and since kelly was number one he's gonna lead off with his topic and uh he's gonna just kind of you know kind of put it out there what is what here, coach flynn here come the you... king here come the big number one hey. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks guys thanks for letting me be here marty i uh, always look forward to talking basketball and if i was going to talk about a topic i would uh, probably choose the transition game. I think that's something that we really get excited about, and it's, it really makes the game fun, I think, to get up and down. And one of your questions that you'd asked about was that first week, and that would be one of the things that we'll really focus on that first week is is a transition game. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing to to implement it? You know, Well, I think any time uh, you have something that you put emphasis in, you really want to design your, your practices around that and uh, – I think that's probably the the biggest thing we do is we feel the transition game is important. So the majority of our practice, or majority of our drills in practice, we try to go up tempo. We try to get out and go fast. Uh, if it's a rebounding drill, we really emphasize either just take it and go or hit the outlet right away. Uh, we really try to emphasize everybody being able to handle the ball. So whoever gets the rebound just starts the break. 
Uh, we really just go with just a few uh, controlled break situations. We always talk, call it a, a quick break. We want to try to get the ball down quickly. Under control, obviously, if we have advantages, like a two-on-one, a three-on-two, we always want to just go right to the basket. And so we'll do a lot of those type of drills where we have the advantage, and then it's just recognize and read and get to the basket. And, and you've got numbers, so you want to get that shot off as quick as you can and, and hope that if you do miss that you get the rebound. So we'll do a lot of those kind of, tra those kind of drills. Also, a lot of our uh, drills would be full-court passing drills, uh, getting out running, um, really, really trying to get that first week where we really initiate the, uh, the transition game and then just try to build off of that. Mm -hmm. If you're going, I don't know, two hours, two hours, 15 minutes that first week, how, out, of those, out of that time, how much are you working on that transition game? Well, again, we won't go two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. We usually well, why not? Go na <laughs> because no, we, we want to really try to, when they come in, we want to try to do everything quick. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll usually tell them we're going to be there for an hour and a half. And uh, as long as everything goes smooth and we try to make sure that we get done in that type of time frame and they know it and they also know that we're probably not going to line up and run a lot at the end. Uh, but everything we do is going to be trying to be quick and mm -hmm. trying to get up and down as quick as we can and, and trying to do the drills. Uh, again, that first week we probably will emphasize more about just getting getting up and down. And then uh, as we start feeling like it's, it's, it's polished a little bit, we'll really start talking about not just getting close shots but getting finished shots. We really try to emphasize finishing as opposed to just getting a, a good shot because mm -hmm. a two-foot shot is a good shot, but it's not a good shot if you don't make it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coach Chief, what are you guys doing with your transition game? You know, we want to push. Um, anytime you're in, uh, you know, we feel like we have odds, whether it's off a defensive rebound, uh, still a turnover. Uh, we want to attack. Uh, if we have numbers, we're going to try to score it immediately. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll get it to the corner and kind of run a secondary break off that and look for the post. If not, we'll swing it and kind of flex cut off that. And um, you know, again, as long as we have numbers, we want to be aggressive. Now, if the, if the numbers are even, you know, th then we're gonna then we're gonna run some O and try to be a little bit more deliberate with it. Mm -hmm. All right, Raggy. Well, we're kind of the same way. We're trying to get down the floor as quick as possible. Um, when you play the teams that we play, a lot of times you're gonna see zone. So mm -hmm. we like to beat the floor or beat the defense down the floor, mm -hmm. so we don't have to face that zone as much. Um, right now, I know as coaches, we're trying to decide: do we let do we give everybody a green light to go, you know, like, or are there certain players that we're trying to maybe not lead the break, maybe outlet to? So we're, <laughs> we're kind of having that debate. I mean, we have, we don't have anybody that's like a true post or anything like that, but there's some definite trust issues as far as uh, leading a break. So we're kind of debating that right now. So I was actually interested in, you know, you, you run a lot of transition. Is there any players that you have that maybe you're like, you know what? limit them a little bit get the ball out to maybe a better ball handler i think a lot of times they will limit themselves um we have one right now chastity that that i'm trying to get to just go i mean she'll get the rebound and she'll look to try to find somebody uh and usually won't even take one dribble and we're trying to get her to, to go like a macy bryant uh, she's a so-called post but we really like it when she gets it and goes and just goes transition and and so I do think uh, you probably, um, I know we've had players before, but I, I don't think we've had to tell them because usually a guard recognizes that and, and gets real close to them and, and, and gives the old target or hands uh, and calls for the ball. Uh -huh. So I'm not saying that 
the post has to get the rebound and come down and, and, and run it from the point. I'm just saying get out and go transition-wise, and if they get out and go, they can give it up any time. Yeah. That's a really good question, though. Yeah. It, well, and I, you know, it's the, uh, on the pod that I dropped this week, we were talking about the, the turn and burn kits and how that's such a great advantage that if you get a kid that can get that rebound and then just turn and burn and go and, and, and push that thing aggressively, that's that's such a huge advantage. And, and it just, obviously, it simplifies. It's one less pass you have to make, which one less opportunity for somebody to get knocked out in the fifth row and getting the popcorn knocked out of their hands. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that's uh, such a such a advantage that if you have a kid or two like that on your team that can just get that turn, that's not a guard, that's not your primary ball handler that can get that out and go. And, and I really think it's going to help them for that next level too because I think sometimes those players maybe aren't going to be a post player at the college level. They're going to maybe be a three or a four and have mm-hmm. to handle the ball mm-hmm. and get out and go. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do um, like a, a, a – with your secondary, like, Kevin, you were talking about running your secondary action. Are you guys running an organized break off of makes and you're, and you're running to spots? Do you have designated spots that, you know, the five's going down the middle and, you know, all the different things that you can do there? Or are you guys just kind of, hey, find space and, and, and get wide? For us, we're not going off of a make. We would just get into our offense immediately. But like I said, anytime it's a missed shot, it's a turnover, then we're going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of to Kelly's point, th- that's what you sort out early is who's comfortable leading the break. Um, the more that can handle it, great, let's just go. I, mm-hmm. I think kids, that they sort it out for themselves a little bit. If they're not comfortable with it, they're going to find somebody and give it up. But we like to be interchangeable. We, we like to just get it and go and then hopefully – you know, if you can handle it, go with it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jen? Well, we're having that debate. We've been talking uh, as coaches the last couple of weeks on that, and uh, I know that there's the philosophy where you run to certain spots, and I know there's the philosophy like we talked about maybe just identifying who our trailer is for sure and who our ball handlers are and everybody else run to the spots. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I think we're just going to go to the spots. Like that's my initial thing, like get, let's get these spots filled. And uh, if we don't get anything early, then maybe go into a ball screen right on top there and uh-huh. uh, see what happens from there. So uh-huh. that's kind of what we're debating right now. I know I have about four hours to get this figured out. <laughs> it, it feels like. But uh, no, you got two it's and already causing yet. some sleepless nights. But we're trying to figure that all out. Just, you know, when your team changes from year to year um, and you have different roles, obviously, and you're trying to figure out what's the best advantage for us. Uh-huh. Um still trying to figure it out i guess yeah we uh and you guys would remember this when we played against each other the you know, when you guys played our teams you know i always thought we did a good job of getting the ball out quick out of the net now both of your teams gave us that opportunity numerous numerous times of us having to take the ball out of the net after you scored on us but I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't think that was the case but you know i i think one of the things that we've that you know, I don't know how much we've done well teaching transition offense, but we've always done a good job of getting the ball out quickly. I think within our teams, and and we have that. De- okay, here's the designated inbounder. You got this amount of time to get it out quick. Now, in our current situation, we're probably a year away from really getting it up and playing at the pace that we would like to to play at and and run those lanes kind of in the old Paul Westhead Loyola type of thing. Uh, but I, I think 
are you guys a designated inbounder person off of makes or are you just next closest person get it and go i think kotragi made a good point there about you know deciding if who's going to be your trail who's going to because i really like to have the same person take it out but it it doesn't necessarily have to be and and i think that's something you have to make a decision on too because like right now if it's a post which a lot of times that would be your post trailing and they can set that high screen for the guard and 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 roll or flare if they're a good shooter but you also want them down if it depends on what your break is like our break used to be where we really wanted our post bust into that power block and then the second post bust into the backside we we haven't had the two real true posts anymore Uh and now it's more of a four out or a five out even Uh and so now that trail doesn't necessarily have to bust to the post but Uh so i think it really depends on what your break is uh as far as whether or not you want to designate that person because otherwise sometimes they're out on the wing and and everybody's bailing out of there and Uh and then it really defeats your purpose to try to get up the floor quickly yeah yeah you're trying to figure it out kevin what do you guys do off of a make we designate our three but it doesn't always happen that way sometimes if the three is down the four whoever's closest can get it gotcha so like i said we're not that concerned about with it off of make we're more concerned with going it off of a mist or a mm-hmm. you know rebounder all right over. all right anything else on transition transition oh when kevin said that about the three it made me think a little bit because i coached with some people before that did really want to do the numbering system uh the thing that was confusing for me and again really trying to keep it simple but where somebody to go to check in and you, who they're going in for, what they are, uh, whether it's a one, two, three, four, or five, and uh-huh. and and who they're guarding, and and sometimes it would be a deal where they got two threes out, uh-huh. <laughs> and so we just tried to just get them to just react and and go. And if you're on the left side, you are the three. If you're on the right side, you are the two. If you've got the ball, you're the one. Uh-huh. You know that type of deal, not so much that you, Marty, you're uh-huh. the two or you're the three. Uh-huh. I think one of the concerns that we have is being pressed. You know, if we get the ball out of the hoop with maybe somebody that's not a ball handler, how does that work into our press break? All of a sudden there's a press there. Uh-oh, we have the wrong person in the backcourt. Like, what do we do? So I think that always is a concern of ours. If we know we're going to get pressed, and that might change our personnel. We might have our three take it out as opposed to our four or five. Yeah. But we usually designate a person. We don't really yeah. do the number thing anymore. And, and part of our thought process, and, you know, this came from, like, Mike Power and Jamie Sale and those guys was we want to get it out so quick that we're not going to get pressed. Like they're they're so concerned about us going one to two up the sideline or one to three across the floor that it takes away that press option. And again, you got to have athletes. Yeah. You got to have athletes. You got to have depth to do yeah. that type of stuff too. And and so you yeah, know. you're hoping that they bail out and get back because otherwise, I think it's a, now it's a, the press break as opposed to a quick break. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that special kid that just is the one person press break you know we've all been fortunate enough to have a couple of those along the ways too so all right anything else no we're good all right Roggy. well that, just, that was that was a solid 12 minutes on transition offense. so flynn has done his part if we keep talking i might get my answers <laughs> um well so one of the that's obviously we've been meeting as coaches and one of the things that we talked about just tonight was um, we've changed how we pick our captains and how those are selected. And uh, I just was curious how everybody else does that. Um, we've done it all kinds of different ways, and I'm not sold on one way is better than the other. So I was curious as to, like, how everybody else does that. Kevin? You know, and that's a great question. We've done it a lot of different ways, too. Um, 
usually it's our seniors, um, provided they have shown to be good leaders. Uh, provided there's not six or eight of them, you know, if there's just a couple of them, we, you know, we let them be our captains, and uh, you know, th they would go out there for the pregame stuff, but we don't put a ton of emphasis on that. I mean, I, I think you want, you know, basketball with the smaller numbers. I mean, you want everybody to have that ownership piece and, uh, you know, taking charge and feeling like they have input and ownership. So I, I would say it's not a huge point of emphasis for us, but I know everybody likes to go out there for that pregame meeting. So generally that's how we've done it. Or mom and dad like to see. <laughs> that too. You know, Jimmy or Susie go out for that pregame meeting before. So... Um. Yeah, and then that's a double-edged sword sometimes because if you have the wrong leadership, you know, you know, and and, and sometimes that leadership is uncontrollable to and a degree. Also, they kind of need to be people that are going to be on the floor, you know, most of the game or late in the game, and that doesn't always happen either. So mm -hmm. some seniors. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree a lot with Kev. There, we we've done a lot of things over the years. Uh, when you coach for a long time, <laughs> you get to do a lot of different things there. Uh, but we've always kind of tried to downplay it. Um, matter of fact, the last few years, it's just been different different games. Um, that, like you said, to get to go out there at the halftime. Uh, I think we've got some really good senior leaders this year, a couple that have started all four years and a couple of three years. Um, they, they really have great leadership skills. And I think it's kind of like that the break where they, they I think they know who the leaders are and, and they speak up. And then you also have different leaders sometimes that are vocal leaders or leaders by example. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to do it yet this year. Kind of like Coach said there where they, they talk about it as coaches. We have our coaches meeting Thursday, and I'll, I'll be talking with the seniors and stuff before the season, and I'll get some buy-in from them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's we don't we definitely don't have a set way every year. Um, we I think it really kind of depends on on who your group is. Uh, like the, these the, these girls that are seniors right now, when they were freshmen, a couple of them were were our leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I think I've tried to do with my new position is just emphasizing leadership all the way across the board, like nine through twelve, um, and you know. One of the things, and, and I forget who I heard this from, but a, a lot of coaches will go, well, okay, you're seniors now. We're going to talk to you about being leaders and all of these type of things. You know, why are we waiting until then? Let's mm -hmm. talk about leadership from the day that you walk in the door. And, and here's how you lead and, and this and that. And, and I think that's a, that's a tactic that we've taken at my, my new job is, is – we're going to talk about being a leader from day one, from from being a, a freshman, and here's the qualities that you should be looking at, or these are the things that you should exemplify if you're going to be a leader, and not just waiting until that summer before the senior year, and and having those group activities and cultural exercises and things like that that will help train them, so that it's like okay, now that you're a junior or a senior. Um, now you know what you should be doing and it's and we're not training you and we have it's a six month crash course it's you're you've been preparing for this for two or three years here here we are and, and now it's time for your opportunity to put your little tweak on the base program that we've put into place and i i think that's a kind of a lesson learned you know again all of us have you know here have done this for a long long time and and that's something that that i changed in my philosophy and, and how we do that, you know, and not to just 
assume that it's going to be the seniors. You know mm-hmm. that okay, this let this. You know, if if you're ready as a freshman or a sophomore, and that's hard, especially with high school kids, it's mm-hmm. hard. You know, I you know, I, I think that high school kids are usually going to follow the the levels of 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 preset. You know, here's the seniors, and the, you know, we're even if even if we're sophomores or juniors, and we're thinking that the seniors are not quality leaders, it it takes a special kid to be willing to step up in the locker room and step on those toes of those maybe not as quality senior leaders. I mean, what do you guys think about that stuff? No, I totally agree. Um, COVID, I think we took advantage of our COVID, if you could take advantage of our COVID. And I did some leadership uh, Zooms, and I kind of had to invent some things. I interviewed a lot of coaches, and uh, we showed it to our kids just about the leadership. So I feel like we're in a good place as far as leadership goes. Um, I would like to de-emphasize captains, but unfortunately, if you coach girls, sometimes they emphasize it for you. Uh, (laughs) But one of the things that we've done in the past is we have had the players vote on captains, and it might be one, it might be two, just kind of depends. And then we've always had a coach's captain each week. And so that was a way that we were trying to dangle a carrot out for the kids. You may not have been a captain voted, you know, in the first week of practice or the second week of practice. But maybe in January, all of a sudden, you know, your coaches see the leadership that you're that you're having, and we call it a coach's coach's captain for that week. So one captain like and that. that coach's captain will go up there at the tip or whatever. And I think it's more just trying to reward the kids throughout the season. Like I don't want them to give up on leadership. Oh, I wasn't a captain. That means I can't lead. Well, we all know that's not true. So um, we did a, a I don't know one of the Metro coaches clinics that we listened to. We did the old, I don't know if you guys were there, um, have them fill out a captain application. So we did that last uh, summer, and we were just looking at those today, and, you know, there was five kids that applied, and they have great answers. So now we're like, well, what do we do with that now? <laughs> so we're, we're trying to figure that out. Probably should have planned that before. but You didn't uh, know you were going to turn into a human resources department. No, yeah. it feels like that. Yeah. So i got to figure out transition and how to – how to narrow those five down delicately, I guess. Oh, so yeah, all right. Well, just make sure your interviews don't turn out like the interviews from uh, Step Brothers or something <laughs> like go. that. If they, yeah. If they show, yeah. show up in matching tuxedos, you're probably yep. in trouble. So <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think those are all conundrums. I mean, what do you do? So let's 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 follow that leadership thing. How do you handle a situation where perhaps your leadership is not as positive? is what you would like for it to be um you know how how do you try to make that work within your within your program and and adjust that without overturning the apple cart so to speak kelly yeah well i i think that's that's what does happen sometimes if you do lock in a captain early or you vote on them i've, I've even seen some teams that that vote on them the year before uh, at the end of the season for that next year thinking that they're going to lead them in the summertime and stuff like that but a lot of things change sometimes and or they're you know fortunately in in other sports too uh you know i i i see a couple of seniors that we have this year uh, elise that's a, a big leader in volleyball and i and i think she will be in basketball also probably won't play quite as much as some of the starters that we've had before but it's a real true leader and she is on the volleyball floor, and I think she'll bring some of those skills to the basketball court. Uh, Mackenzie Kenning, and another one that's a, a big leader on the softball team, and she'll be joining us this year as a senior. Uh, but then we have the four returning starters. So again, I, I, 
I like that. I I, <clears throat> I heard that same deal about the um, doing the applications and stuff like that because then you find out who wants to be a senior because not everybody always wants to be a senior. They don't always want to be in that limelight either. Uh, but I, I liked what you said there about having four because I, I really do think we'd have all six that would uh, that would put in, and I think we have a couple of younger ones that would probably put in too. Mm-hmm. So I, I know when when they were talking about that, I thought that is a good idea, but. I don't know what that problem. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what happens with you guys. Yeah, I'll that, let you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back on in a month. You know, just, hey, yeah. how'd, how'd that all yeah. fall out? Yeah, we'll all right. have to figure that out. Coach, well, how do you, how, how how would you hand or how have you handled those situations? I think anytime your your leadership is not what you want, that involves a whole bunch of one on one conversations. You know, a lot of sit down talks and heart to hearts about you know here's what we need from you. Here's what has to happen if the season wants to go. You know, if we want this to go the way we all want it to. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I think just a lot of heart-to-heart talks about, you know, right now you're not exhibiting the leadership that we need. And and one thing I always tell our kids, and especially, you know, I'll have a senior meeting too, I'll say, you guys are going to get a lot of input, and I'm going to listen to everything you say. doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but we're going to listen to it, unless I feel like it's not team-centered, you know. If I feel like there's some individualness or some selfishness, now you've kind of just lost some credibility with me. But if I feel like everything you're coming at me with is for the best of the team, then you know you're going to get a lot of input here on this. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think just lots of lots of conversations and one-on-ones with kids is yeah. what we try to do a lot of, just to keep them engaged and keep them on the right page. Yeah. I one of the things that that I've done is the just the old school Don Meyer Foxhole test, and we we keep that to ourselves and we tell the and, and it requires trust on on our behalf that we're not going to share the the results and and that has been a pretty clear picture of okay this is what we may think but here's what the kids are telling us and quite honestly the years that we have struggled with that leadership are the years where it's pretty even all the way across the board but if you have a, a Jess Schlotman, you know, shout out Jess if you ever listen to this. But, you know, she's got, you know, everybody's given her three points on that. And it's like, okay, so we the kids get it and we get it and we're right and they see it and that's who they truly, really respect and, and that type of thing. Um, and that kind of gives us a little bit more of, okay, you know, Kelly and, and Kevin are our captains, but the kids really respect Jen, and if I really need to broach a, a, a topic that's important to the team, I'm going to pull Jen aside in, in, in the hallway and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or we're, you know, we're thinking about this or whatever it may be. And we, again, we never share those publicly. We just, we just have it with our, our coaching staff. We never share it with the team. We keep it to ourselves, but that's always given us a pretty good barometer. And I always, like I said, I always get a little nervous when it's nine, eight, eight, Fives, you know, when it's pretty even. Uh, I think it's good to have those one or two kids that everybody's looking at and, and wanting that there. So that's that's my experience anyway. So. And there again, I think, uh, like we mentioned with the leaders, I, I mean, I think you, like we've got like a Taylor McCabe who's going to, you know, just work really, really hard and be a great leader by example. And then and then you've got some other leaders that are, that are good leaders by example, but maybe speak up and, and – uh, I see a Macy Bryant in that role, or a, a Bella Keaton, where they'll, you know, speak up and and and, and be that more of a vocal leader. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Coach Chief, 
We've <laughs> we've we've ran the offensive transition gamut. We've ran the leadership gamut and and captains and and that type of stuff. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I, I thought I'd go a little different route and just kind of go with the drill. Um, this is a drill I got probably about five years ago, and I really can't remember where I got it from. Is at a clinic. We call it shooting license. So you have a shooter and you have a rebounder, and you put five minutes on the clock. And there's five spots, both corners, both wings, and top of the key, and you start in the corner, and you've got to hit ten threes before you move to the next spot. And you got to hit ten threes then at the wing before you move to the top, and so on. So if you get through all five spots within that five minutes, you've hit 50 threes, and then you can go anywhere you want you know, to finish out whatever time uh-huh. you have left. And uh, we do that about once a week. We chart it, we post it. Um, shooting license, you know, kind of the premise behind it is if you get a 50, you know have the, you know have the license to shoot. And that's not entirely true, but the, the, <laughs> there, there, there's some guidelines there. There's always going to be factors including time and score of games. There's a speed limit. There's a speed limit. You got a license, but there's still a speed limit. But I think it's a great been a great thing for our kids to see posted. Okay, so if you're wondering why you're not getting more shots, or you're wondering why we're not running things for you, you're not getting that shot at the end of the game and you know you're out and we do an average so i think anybody can get hot one or two times but i want to see who can do it consistently throughout the course of the season so you know if you're averaging a 42 and you know we got somebody else who's averaging 52 you know guess who we're going to run stuff for guess who should be getting more of the shots so i think it's a great thing for our kids to see i I think it's been a real motivator i think kids have really tried hard because they know we do put some stock in that and that's not the only shooting drill that we do chart uh, we probably do two others but th- there are three that we'll chart and post downstairs in the locker room that kids can see and, and generally each of the three you're, you're generally going to have your top shooters on top uh-huh. um, but I just think it's it's a great thing in black and white for them to kind of get a understanding of here's where you're at in relation to the other shooters and if you want more shots we've got to get better at you know that, that average has got to got to be raised so uh-huh. so charting drills and practice let's go there then uh what are what are some of the things that you guys might chart or really emphasize in practice that you're sharing with your team like like coach's example there and, and maybe it's a shooting drill maybe it's something else that you're saying hey this is you know this is important to us and we're going to share the results of this or we're going to have a manager keep track of it or wh- whatever yeah. it may be so i i really like that idea that you said there is it a deal where so do they shoot, and then do you have a rebounder kicking out to them, or do they go get their own rebound and come nope. back? The, the rebounder kicks it to the shooter for the whole five minutes, then they're going to switch, and we're going to go five more minutes. So a little motivation to hustle after loose balls, yeah. give them a good pass in the shooting pocket, because right. your partner is going to be you know, retaliating that in the next five minutes. So hopefully they're yeah. working hard to get himself, give each yeah. other a good, good shot. That's a good conditioner, too. But, yeah, it, it really is important that that passer gets them the thing, because a good shooter wants that pass in the shooting pocket. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I really like that drill. Yeah. Kelly, we, do, we do a lot of those shooting drills, but don't usually record it. But I, I, I like that idea. The one thing that we have recorded over the years is, is free throws, because that's a, an easy one where you can, you know, take ten shots or, or however many you want to and, and record that. And it's, but there again, I think it's more for <clears throat> the confidence for the for the players themselves to, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that they're getting seven or eight. Um, and a free throw, I think, is real realistic because when you shoot a free throw, there's going to be more pressure, obviously, if there's a crowd and, and the situation, but you do get to shoot the free throw. That's the only thing about those shooting drills is that sometimes you know people shoot different where I get to just catch and shoot, 
and not have defense in my face or not have to move or, or do I get to just stand in one spot uh, but I, I do think that could really be a good one I think we will put that in this year I, I don't I don't know about the five minutes but but definitely something with recording shooting and I think anytime you do have something like that I, I always try to be careful not making it like it's a real real big deal and then all of a sudden we don't do it but if we're going to buy into it, and that's what I'll talk to our coaches about this week, if we're going to buy into it, kind of like we're talking about weightlifting, then we're going to buy into it and, and then do it. We're not going to do it for two weeks and then say maybe it's not quite as important as we thought it was, or maybe it is still important, but we go a week or two and not do it, and then the kids wonder how important really is it if we're not doing it anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did something very similar um, last year. Uh, we always charted free throws. And uh, we did the free throw ladder thing and all that. But um, we did something very similar. It was like for two or two and a half minutes, uh, different format. But I like that one. Um, I think when you chart things, whether you use it or not, I think the kids know that it's valued more. Um, I like how you posted it. I'm not I'm not sure how you could do that if you just do your top ones or what so that some people don't feel so bad uh, when they're not on there. But The Marty um, Plum's on the list. Yeah, well... <laughs> Again. <laughs> no, it's okay. I admit you know. it. I admit it. No, uh, okay. but I like that. Um, but we charted. Uh, we I have no had... self-esteem left. It's fine. Don't worry. Stop it. <laughs> oh. we, we did an a individual chart on a three-point shot, kind of like that, five spots. And then we did a team one where they had their teams the whole it was a team shooting drill, and so we kept track of that all year, too. And I don't know what we did with it, honestly. It was just... Should probably do something with it, I guess. Okay, you're not mad at me because of that, are you? I am not mad at you. No. Okay, all right, good. Marty, no. I thought you were going to tell about that night when we were at the Metro Coaches Clinic and the uh, and they said uh, talk amongst our table and you know what keeps us up at night or whatever. And Jerome, he started saying how when you go back and watch the film. And he used an example, and he said, you know, he'll just rechart it. And he says, like, let's just use Marty as an example. <laughs> and say Marty made one. And then I said, did he bank it? <laughs> and then we started laughing, and then it just turned to Marty. Yes. <laughs> Take it on, Marty. Yeah. Hey, it's okay. I mean, I got thick skins. You know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Brought back memories when you said that. Yeah, it's okay. Marty. It's all right. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll send you my psychologist bill, you know, so. Um, God, what were we talking about? Oh, charting stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we were in a, a situation last year. You know, we had, we had the, the kids had struggled. And um, see, now I'm trying to be serious. You guys are laughing. And now I can't. I can't be serious. So I'm going to try and be the adult here. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, the kids needed to see some success. And so we actually put a, quite a bit of emphasis on uh, charting about a half dozen different drills. And then when we would break the record, let's say we ran Manhattan drill, and after two weeks we the record was 21 and we got 24 that day. I mean, we really celebrated that stuff, and we made a big deal out of it to show progress, to show advancement and things like that. And I think you can... You can chart some things um, that, you know, maybe you're not in a situation where you're 
ready to win a, a, a state championship or compete at a high level. But if you're if you're rebuilding a program or you're trying to do stuff like that, uh, you can use charting stuff like that in practice to either show individual, like with Coach Chief's drill, or team stuff mm-hmm. um, to to show improvement, to show progress, so that they could see something in front of them because they go even if they're going out on Friday night and you're telling them you're getting better, but you go out on Friday night and you get your butt kicked by 30 or 40 points, they're just going to still see that as 30. But, hey, hey, you know what? Monday we did the Manhattan drill and we got 24, and then on Wednesday we did it again and we got 28. Yeah, we're getting better, and it's not showing up on Friday night yet, but here's what we're doing in practice, and it's and it's getting better in that regard. And that's that's I, I think that was one of the things that we kind of put the carrot at the end of the stick for our kids last year to, to help show them that this is this is improvement as well um another thing that we did and this is i I think one of the things when i was at my old job you know we just at times we just didn't score enough and 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 one of the things i don't think i did a very good job of of, was getting enough shots up in practice so the first week of practice we designed our practices with a lot of shooting and then i literally had a manager every day just your job today is to watch coach chief shoot and every shot that he shoots, just put a slash. And we want to see how many shots you get up. And our and our goal was every player we wanted to get up 250 shots a day in practice. Just because I felt like we needed to score more. It's a simple game. You need to score more. And so that's one of the things we charted as well in practice was just total number of shots. And if, you know, if, if we got up 150, okay, we need to do more shooting in practice uh, because we needed to improve that aspect of, of the game as well. So those are a couple of things that we've done. To, to kind of take those things and, and do them in a different way, or for different purposes, I guess. So, anything else on that? No? All right. Okay. All right, everybody came through. Good job, team. <laughs> You're hired back, or I'll pick up the bill. So, um, so I sent you guys a list earlier today. Um, had five or six topics on there. What do you guys want to talk about? I'm open. I'm open for anything, you know. We're at about 37 minutes into this here, so we got another half hour or so if you want to keep chatting. Kevin's so. got to pick. We're going backwards. Okay, now we're going backwards. This is so, your show. You, you no, <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm reversing the trend here. I've come up with all the questions for 99 of these, so uh, I'm going to reverse it on you guys. And you know, while he's looking, I'll, I'll tell you that one of the reasons we chart team drills is it also keeps the managers involved. Yes. And if the managers have to record things, they feel like they're part of the team. And I love that. Like, we do a lot of team drills. We'll record, try to beat a record. And I used to keep it in my phone, and my assistant kept it in his phone. But the managers love it because they get it out, right. and they, they write it down, and they feel a part of it, too. So just yeah. to add to that, I'm stealing that drill. Yeah. We're going to do that. <laughs> but um, I love charting things. I love the kids. They Their focus is better when they're they're trying to beat their own record and things like that. So. Yeah. I think as coaches, I think we're always trying to learn and steal from each other and stuff like that. And that's where I think this is really beneficial mm-hmm. because I've already got a, several things from you guys tonight. And and again, oh, yeah. I want to start that right at the beginning. Maybe not charting everything, yeah, but no, no. charting some things because, again, I think it is important. We will, a lot of times with our drills, know what a, a number is that we're shooting for because we got it the last time. We maybe don't have it charted and posted anywhere. And there's a lot of times that I'll even say, because it's a three minute, most of our drills are timed. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, what did we get this last time? And, and sometimes there's different answers. And then we'll narrow it down to what it is and what our goal is. But I think that that is important. But I, I think with the manager, we could 
because sometimes we can't remember and and be able to say that with the Kansas reel we want to do it in mm-hmm. what is the record is it 420 yeah you know. yeah that or you just can't remember because you're old. <laughs> That's why you put it in your practice plan so you can go back a year later. I started Last year our record was this. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. There you have it. So. All right, Coach Chief, what do you well, want to talk about on that list? The thing that jumped out at me there, first off, was what was the last one? What's a good book? Yeah, what's a good book? Good coaching book to recommend for someone to read. Here's what I'd say on that. I used to read a ton of books. I've got a big stack down in my basement of autobiographies of coaches, you know, Calipari, Patino, all those guys used to read it a lot. Now I think I've become like a lot of young kids. I don't have the attention span Mm -hmm. to read a book. And I I think, you know, my son is a coach at Loganview, and uh, I think he fills me in on how the younger minds work, that kids don't read books, but they do spend a lot of time, you know, YouTube and uh, Twitter and, you know, Instagram, whatever, and, and even TikTok and picking up a lot of things that way. Um, I know my son Jake has even said, you know, he doesn't know a lot of times how valuable clinics are because he goes, I can go get all that information online in a number of different places. So I think young coaches think about things in a different way than us older coaches do because <laughs> we used to, I mean, that was a, it, it always has been a way of life to me. I, I've loved going to clinics. I've always gone to a lot of them enjoyed that uh, but I also think he's right and that there's different ways of going about learning the game and I think younger guys are maybe choosing some of those other ways as opposed to sitting down and, and pouring through a book so yeah yeah, yeah I I very seldom <clears throat> sit down and read a book cover to cover but I do love reading like wooden wisdoms you know and, I, and I'll get that every single day and I'll and I'll read that and if it's good I'll send it to the coaches and if it's really good I'll run it off and and then share at least highlights again i don't read the whole thing but it but it's usually uh, to the kids anyhow but i mean i always read the whole thing but it's a page page and a half you know and i i like those kind of quick hitters that that, that you can i, I like uh, i don't know if you guys have heard of the pen and the napkin it's a podcast <laughs> out there it's pretty good i like yeah. uh looking at that and and reading that and, and like you said that about the coaches clinic i've always really enjoyed coaches clinic but i like a lot of times with the coaches clinic where we we'll do something like this where we we'll maybe as a co- group of coaches maybe go to lunch or something and just bounce off of what you thought about that coach's mm-hmm. presentation or if you if you agree with that style or and especially if you can have your assistants with you yeah yeah Rocky. i uh I'm a reader, but when I read, it's usually to get away from basketball a little bit. So um, I've gotten into the podcasting, so uh, not just listening to a pen and a napkin, but also the basketball podcast. I, I really like that one. I don't know if you guys have heard that one. but That scratching you hear in the background is me crossing out the books. question, but that's books. okay. So that's all right. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, no, I, I do think I think I think you guys are right. I, I think that uh, the coaches today have to adapt to the kids. I think one of the one of the mistakes that, that coaches and I'm just going to use this phrase in a general manner: coaches our age, uh, it, it, we uh, believe our minds are like the kids' minds. Our kids' minds are completely different than the minds that we had at that age. I mean, it's just it's just a completely different world, and so we it's not a it's not up to us to. Ad- uh, for them to adapt, to, for them to adapt to us, it's up to us to adapt to them. And so I love the ideas about the the quick hitters and the the one page or the bullet point type of things, and um, you know different types of presentations. You know, 
film study, you know, it's got to be quick. It's got to be quick clips of, you know, five, six, seven minutes, and then you get them out because, you know, they're used to, to TikToking and, and stuff like that. So, but, uh, yeah, no books, no books. So, <laughs> question uh, I would be interested in hearing these guys uh, and discussing a little bit is your first one that you had there. Beans, we're coming up to that first week, and what is our first week emphasis? I think, you know, because I think sometimes we get caught up as coaches and do something the way we've always done it. And and that was a nice thing about coming to Fremont and, and having some different assistant coaches and, and bouncing off different ideas. But, I mean, I, I would be curious to hear what you guys do that first week or what your real focus is. I like that question that you had and, and – uh, I jotted down a few things, but uh, Jen. Um, so our first, probably I would say four days, you know, two to four days, um, we hit the fundamentals really hard. Um, just, just try to get our foundation set, um, get them out on the floor, run them up and down the floor. The transition game is definitely uh, something because I like it because no matter, you know, we're going to emphasize it all year, but also uh, it's a great conditioner without running. I mean, we don't get on the line. I don't know if anybody does that anymore and, and run, but anything we can do in the full court. Um, I like to do rebounding drills just right away, defensive foundation drills right away, um, just because I feel like throughout the season I'll refer to different fundamentals of that, and I want them to have that in that first week. Um, so a lot of shooting in that first week, and then of course we're trying to put our base offense and defense in towards the end of that first week. Uh-huh. Coach Chief? I would say we're very similar to that. I think the emphasis for us, it's like the first three days we're going to go all together, 9 through 12, and pretty much after that when we can we're going to split just because I'm not a fan of having 30 people in a gym. You know, I, I like to break down as much as we can. So I think a lot of it that first week is just about implementing your co- your culture, your mm-hmm. toughness, uh, how hard you're going to play, and just trying to instill that in the young kids so they get a chance to see the older kids and kind of the expectations and here's how we do stuff and, and obviously like you said coach raggy just putting your base offense and defense in and trying to you know get them acclimated get them comfortable with that a little bit well the uh the thing that we're really going to emphasize this year and this this is a compliment to the team that i had last year you know just having the same urgency that that we had that the kids had last year um, that they kind of came in with a with a chip on their shoulder type of a thing that uh, they wanted to make some changes they wanted to see some changes with some things and so I can't give enough credit to to all the kids not just the seniors but all the kids and so we're really going to emphasize and re-emphasize and and reinvent that okay this is a new season you, you have to do the things that made you successful last year, and we're going to reintroduce those things, but now you have to do them a little bit better. And, and there shouldn't be any excuse that you shouldn't be doing these things a little bit better because now you have a year under, you know, you have a year of the system under your belt here. You know, I'm sure, Kelly, you had the same thing from year one to year two at Fremont where you felt like you could mm-hmm. kind of hit the ground running a little bit more than the year before the expectations were set, the standards were set, and here we go. You know, so. Yes, yes. The the different drills that that you had implemented. Now they've 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 done those. They've seen those because um, we really really try to lock in on the drills that are going to help us with the transition game or help us with the defensive pressure, and then maybe do those every single week. You know, maybe a couple times a week, as opposed to way back early coaching. 
I would be reading those books and I'd be reading those different um, you know drills and I'd be down there trying to teach them not only to the kids but also to the coaches because they maybe hadn't read that same book and I'm trying to describe it how it looked in, on, on paper and then actually coach Wilchin one time said to me you know why are we trying to do different drills every single day you know and and we pretty much locked in on the drills that we feel comfortable with and you know the kids maybe get bored with them but they get to where you say the name you say the Kansas drill or you say the koozie lab or whatever it is and they just jump to those spots and and we just go and then you also start getting now to where it's timed and you know that in four minutes you should be able to make this many or in two minutes you should be able to get up and down and so I, I do like that. I like what both you guys said about the first week, and that's really, really a lot of the same things we try to do. I think it's also important at first week to really emphasize the uh, the, the little things. And, and, and like this year, we'll, we'll really talk about how those little things, whether it's to get to this line and your foot short, is that a big deal? You know, and I'll, I'll just stop and ask them sometimes, hey, was that a big deal that, that we wanted to get to the top of the key on this transition drill? But we didn't. Is that a big deal? You know, and, and just point blank, just ask them. Because if it's not, okay, I'm fine with that. But I think it is a big deal. And when you come up two points, three points, four points short, winning a state championship or winning a game, it those little things are very, very important. And I think you try to instill that early with the kids that these little things are important, whether it's a rebound and you and you you square up to the outside you, you keep the ball you know just any little coaching point that you make once you make it that next time let's let's try to do it that way mm-hmm. yeah i think you can always take the foot off the gas a little bit but it's hard to put the put the foot onto the gas and and i think that's so important to set that tone that first week of you know whatever the 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 two, three, four important things are, that you feel like it's going to be important for us going into the season, that's what we're going to hammer on this week. Uh, um, is that what you guys do, Jen? Yep, we do. Um, I think try to get all the things you're really going to be specific about, you know, um, break things down quite a bit. Um, I'm sure those first two days are, are a lot of fundamentals. We do tryouts for those first two days. But in those two days, of we're, we're holding practices. We don't do a, a tryout. It's a practice. So um, I feel like that's the way we can kind of formulate it where they should be just from a, a regular practice anyway. But, um, yeah, just get the, the base of what we want to do all season and break it down, be picky on it, stop it when we need to, and then hopefully that builds throughout the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So, so how – how long do you give it before you start making adjustments typically to that base plan? So we've, we've all spent the last six months getting to this point where, okay, here's what we're going to emphasize the first week, the second week, X amount of games or whatever. You know, how, how, how long in the back of your minds are you like, okay, we're thinking about doing this or this, and I'm going to give it approximately this long or up till through this opponent or whatever it may be and sometimes maybe that's maybe an impossible question to answer but you know i got to make up for the bad question about the books so uh but uh coach chief you know what's what's kind of your philosophy there i will definitely kind of plan out the first week but i I don't go any further than that in the preseason because after about that first week we're going to go day to day and see each day you're going to have a feeling of this is what we need to work on this is what we're not doing very well right now and what kind of adjustments we need to make and 
Um, so after that first week, it really becomes kind of day to day. And you know, I had another thought going back about that first week. Um, I want it to be a grind. I want it to be tough. I think there's value in that shared misery, you know. Mm-hmm. And then kind of let the kids know you, you made it through the toughest part of the season. You know, if you can handle this first week, you know, now we got a shortened week, Thanksgiving, you know, and then then now we're in, now it's game week, you know, now we're preparing. So, um, but I like to really test them and push them that first week and kind of break them down a little bit and uh, put them put them through the through the trenches a little bit. Mm-hmm. How about I, you, Kelly? I think that kind of leads up to one of your other questions you had there about. Uh, breaking down the season into smaller seasons mm-hmm. and I think that's really really true kind of like you said there coach about the the first week and after that and I started when I was thinking about that question when we'd go to the um, like the Nike National uh, in December it really was like two seasons because realistically that tournament can be tougher than the state tournament you know what I mean and so you really felt that sense of urgency to to be ready in December for maybe the toughest games you're going to have that year but then obviously the state tournament is more important and you want to be peaking in February but so we would talk about that that we need to peak really twice and uh I was thinking about that now with our season this year because kind of like you were talking there coach where you want to obviously that week of the first game you want to be ready to play and and I don't know if you want to call that peak but be ready and then we're going to Florida. We want to be ready for that. But then we have the hack right when you get back after the Christmas break. So you kind of have the five-day moratorium, and then you're almost cranking it up again for, in our case, the the, the hack conference tournament because that's a really, really important thing for us. And then you have the rest of January and February to kind of maybe the most important part of your season to really prepare for, for districts and hopefully state. Mm-hmm. Jen, how do you guys break down your season? I mean, same thing. I think uh, your first week is tough, but I think you keep reminding them, you know what, this is this is the tough week. Um, and then you get into before Thanksgiving. I think that time before Thanksgiving is sort of a preseason, if you want to call it that. Um, after Thanksgiving, you're preparing for that first weekend, and a lot of us obviously play, most of us play two games that weekend, and you're preparing, and it's, it's a grind, you know. And then... Um, we always say the first third of your season when Christmas hits, your first third of your season is, is done. Um, and then we say the second third is to the conference tournament. Our conference tournament is third week in January, I believe. Um, and then, of course, after that, then the last third is you're preparing for districts and, and postseason play. Mm-hmm. Coach Chief? I, I would agree with that 100%. You know, up to the con- to the holiday tournaments, your first third. and January comes and all of a sudden we play a whole bunch of games right away and our conference tournaments the last week in, in January um, so you got kind of that mid middle part of the season and now you get through the conference tournament and you're just a couple of weeks out from district so um, usually right after conference tournament we try to give them a little break there mentally and physically a, a day or two to kind of regroup we usually don't play till that Friday and uh, try to get your feet back underneath you try to get refreshed a little bit and I'll try to you know, put together your stretch run for for postseason. So, mm-hmm. is is in your own mind? Are you kind of making those benchmarks? Like, okay, you know, through the holiday break, are you talking with your staff? Man, I'd, I'd like to see what we, you know, what are we going to be doing here as far as taking care of the ball? What what are we going to be doing defensively? Let's 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 tinker with this and let's give it a good three weeks. Of, of games before we get to the holiday break before we 
before we change a bunch of stuff or is it just kind of week by week or or how do you guys take a look at that how do you how do you plan that part of it out as much as you can obviously there's unforeseen circumstances every season so i think for us i'm looking at it the whole season i'm looking at it how can we beat the best teams in our schedule in the postseason so for me it's kind of that how do we get to that point you know what do we need to do what do we need to work on and you know who's the best team standing in the way of where you want to get to is is kind of what we use as a guide to you know we got to work on this and be good enough at this to get it get done what we need to so that's funny that kevin said that because that's that's exactly what i said on that how to prep for special situations on that question i thought about that last year where right off the bat we knew millard south and lincoln pius were the two teams that we would have to play and you know all year we we kind of uh, even though we didn't talk about them we obviously talked about whoever we're going to play that week but in the back of our mind especially as coaches we knew that millard south was going to bring that pressure and that we had to prepare for that and we also knew markowski and pius and how they played and and Ironically, it ended up being the last two games at the in the state, but it was a deal where. And for you, it was two completely different styles. Two completely different styles, but you really have to get your team to be able to prepare for both of them. And I think, like Kevin said, it's it's something that you you see on your schedule and know that this is where we have to get if we want to compete at that level. Uh Yep. I think the toughest part for me personally is, I know when we hit January conference tournament maybe right before it or right after it there might be something that I know I want to put in to tweak something like maybe it's a different defense just to throw people off for the for the last third there but I think what's tough is and I found this to be common in the last couple years is I've held off on it but by the time we get to that point maybe we have enough that we're worried about trying to fix and overcome that you know what we we don't we're not ready to throw something else at So you kind of have to balance, are we ready to throw this thing at that I planned two months ago? Or do we just need to work on what we need to work on right now and focus on that? And I I don't know the answer to that. I think you have to get a read on your your team and uh, figure out if you're ready to add that, you know, new defense or new offense or whatever. You know, COVID threw a a wrench into things last year. Sure. It was crazy. Um, we worked on a certain offense all – well, we didn't work on it all summer. We did as much as we could in that summer that we weren't allowed to do much. And after the first – So you're running the illegal workouts out we there. We were not. Yeah. Okay. We were not. Right. We all I, had I our see. own basketball. Now we, now we understand. Up. Now we but, understand. Uh, we got Elkhorn into Public season. Schools playing by their own rules. I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got into the season, and we thought we had all the answers. And we got into our first weekend of games – and we could not score, and I, uh, worse than we usually can't score. And uh, I'm like, that's it. We punted it. Like, we bailed out on it right there and got rid of it and went a different direction, and it, it helped. We weren't prepared for it. But I think a lot of us try things out in the summer, try to get a feel for things in the summer mm-hmm. so that you're not experimenting, yeah. you know, obviously. I think yeah. also as coaches we, we have to be flexible because of the winter season and uh, weather especially uh i know like this last year we had four grinding games where we knew and we looked at it and we said that you know we played on on, on two different weekends in a row and uh, that we were going to take that monday off i mean we just kind of pr- planned on it just that little break like you said really that sunday monday was going to be a break for us and in that next week we had a little bit of time off 
but then we had the snowstorm and the Lincoln Southwest game, which was going to be a big game that Saturday night, and then we're going to give them a couple days off, but it got postponed to that Tuesday. And so all of a sudden now, after I had told them we weren't practicing that Monday, we had to change that plan. We can't take the day off the day before game, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and came back and practiced. And, and um, But I, I we didn't win that game. And, you know, and I, and I still think part of it was, you know, just that, just that grind that you have and, and – but as coaches, you do have to be flexible and, and, and be able to change, and, and hopefully your kids buy into that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you just got to communicate to them. You know, when you made that change, I'm sure you did your best to explain to them, here's why we're doing what we're doing. I know we said we were going to take Monday off, but, you know, the situation changed. Right. And, and you know, Mother Nature Right. The day you don't wins. have school, you know, just it's just going to be a – <laughs> I was going to say the perfect storm, and yeah. and that's really what it was was yeah. the perfect storm. When you guys are uh, implementing stuff, uh, you're implementing a, a new defense, you're implementing a new play. You know, how 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 long do you give it before you feel typically? Now I know again every situation is different, every team is different, but I've always felt like if you want to run something, if you want to put in a play and you want to put it in for the Wahoo game, you probably need to start kind of working on it about five to seven practices before you play Wahoo so that, you know, you feel like you're ready to go and at least give it a go here. You know, and that's probably kind of pretty typical. Are you guys kind of in that same vein of, uh, of thought there? Or, you know, are you guys smarter than me and able to implement stuff <laughs> in two practices? I mean, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of different schools of thought with that and I think when I was younger I used to try to do a lot more things I I think as I've gotten older I've tried to narrow the scope Um, I'm not trying to out trick or out think most people I want to keep things pretty basic we want to try to out execute you not out smart you you know so most of what we're doing, we're, we've got in the whole year, and I'm not saying we might not see, save a special for later in the year, but we're not going to change a lot from what we do, even from year to year, but especially not from beginning of practice to the end, just because I think we want to try to drill over and over on what we do and try to do a few things really well, then try to do a lot of things, you know, not as well. Mm-hmm. Jen? Yeah, I don't... Uh... I want to say two weeks, but I know it, it just depends on how desperate you are. You know, <laughs> If you uh, think that you have something, especially defensively, I think that's a lot easier than offense. Yeah. Um, if you have something that you think that will help your team be successful, then I think, you know, you can test it out right away. Offense, though, I mean, we all know timing is, is crucial. Out-of-bounds plays, timing is crucial. So um, if you're going to put something in, I feel like it's – two weeks to get it perfected at least five days to be ready you know to put them out there and then be confident enough to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kelly yeah I think it's really a, a delicate situation where I think you have to really read your kids too and uh, I think some of those things especially if it's a, a different style you know I use the the sting the trapping press that we try to do as an example where if they don't believe in it and don't buy into it it's not going to be very effective. And even as a coach, if you really feel like this is the right thing or if I can tweak this personnel, it can be successful. But if the kids don't buy into it, and uh, and, and as a coach, it's, it's awkward when all of a sudden you maybe don't have the confidence because even though you've, you've seen it be successful, you know that 
they're not buying into it and and as you guys were talking I was just thinking of some of those different situations or or thinking of like a, like out of bounds plays I, I like using like simple ones but as a coach I like to run it and uh, and kind of just see what the defense is going to do whether it be just something as simple as the box up or as simple as the baseline just to see if the defense is going to stay in their zone or if they're going to uh, you know so as a coach sometimes you're you're trying to to read that but how much you you sell the players on that because as the players they maybe run that first time and it doesn't work where you, you knew it maybe wasn't going to work but you knew that now this little tweak is going to or the second option or third option but we don't get to mm-hmm. it uh, but I think that's probably the thing that again I'm going to really try to sit down and talk with the uh, the coaches first and then the seniors and then really try to get that buy-in right off the bat on what things are important and 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 we're really gonna try to focus on that yeah you know one of the things we've tried to do is day before a game we're getting ready to play any of you guys you know and hey we're thinking about running number three out of bounds play are, are you guys do you feel comfortable with that you, you feel like if we call that you can run it and we'll ask the kids like you know when possible you don't always think of it but when possible hey how, how comfortable you feel with number three and if you kind of get those looks like, uh, yeah, coach, we're well, then we're not going to run it. You know, then we're going to stay with what we got. It's it's better to run what we know than, and than not run, you know, or to run something that we, they don't have confidence in. If they don't have confidence in, we certainly shouldn't have confidence in it, as well. And so we'll we'll really communicate with our kids in, in that regard. Hey, we'll kind of run through, you know, especially like when we play you guys, uh, you know, hey, we're going to run. Oklahoma, we're going to run Elkhorn, we're going to run Cardinal. You know, you guys feel these are the three plays we're going to emphasize tomorrow night when we play Elkhorn. Are we are we good with that? You know, and and so and then they've got an idea going into the game. All right, hey, pretty good chance we're going to run Oklahoma tonight, and we're going to run it a lot. And and that way we kind of set our kids at ease so that they're not caught off guard by it and that type of thing too. That 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 that, that's some stuff that we've done as well as just kind of. Okay, here's the game plan. Here's 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 two or three sets. We're really gonna, if if the situation arises, we're probably gonna call one of these three things here. You guys be ready for it. And and our our kids seem to respond to that really well. It kind of helps put them at ease so that we're not just randomly, hey, we're running Oklahoma. It's like, oh crap, what do we do here? You know, type of a thing. And and that's worked for us. You know, for 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 what that's worth. So, anything else on that? No, we're good. One more. Sure. We'll go one more. All right. I mean, the computer's fully charged here, so, I mean, um, uh, let's talk about coaching your coaches. Um, what are, what are, you know, we, we all come from unified school districts, so to speak. We're all kind of all our, on our own here. Uh, you know, our, our districts are well-defined. Um, so we're all working on developing our youth and, and our coaches and not only our high school coaches, but our youth coaches. What are some things that you guys do to help develop your youth coaches so that by the time your kids kind of progress through your system, they're ready to they're ready to perform for you at the best to their ability, and, and the coaches are doing a good job with that. So, uh, who wants to start? Go ahead. I, I can start. Uh, reading this question, I thought this is exactly an opportunity for me to brag on my coaches. I mean. I, I'm truly blessed with the best staff. I'd put them up against anybody. Um, 
like on my high school staff, uh, have two volunteers and obviously two uh, two paid positions. And three of the four have played for me and have been with me between playing and and, and coaching probably 45 years combined. And our other uh, our C team coach is a new guy. He's only been with us four years, but he played college basketball at Doan. So I don't have to coach them. I mean, they're 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 passionate about the game. They know it. Um, so just getting great assistance is huge, and that's been a huge huge plus for us. When you talk about our youth coaches, same type of thing. Um, you know, third through eighth grade, they all have been successful basketball players or uh, athletes in college. I mean, getting good people to coach your youth teams is such a big big deal. And on the years when we maybe we do have a, a new guy or two. Uh, we certainly have had some some coaching clinics and talk about what we want them to do and what we're looking for. But this year, you know, was another year I didn't have to do anything. I mean, I got the people in place and turn them loose, and all I tell them is go make our kids better. You know, and they do a really good job of that. So, g- getting the right people in place for a youth program is, is just such an important thing. Is it part of the citizenship test in Wahoo that you're only allowed to leave for so long and then you're required to move back to town? You know? You know, like, do you guys put, like, a chip in their shoulder? Is there, is there like, some deep state stuff going on in Saunders County there or what? You know, I'm super partial, but I think Wahoo's an awesome community. I think a lot of our kids want to come back and want to raise their families here, and uh, that's been something really special for us is we've had a lot of our players from the, the glory years in the late 80s and late 90s have wanted to come back and be a part of things and have their kids be a part of the program and uh, without question it's been a big piece of you know our success so. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i would i would by the way people of wahoo i'm just joking about that okay <laughs> it's just a joke okay don't get too upset with me so kelly I definitely agree with kevin there is is having a the opportunity to have some of your former players <clears throat> come back and coach with you it is really rewarding and it is, and it is very helpful you know where they know the drills and they know the expectations and stuff and um, I don't have that right now, but uh, I did have my first two years with Jane. That was that was nice, and 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 nice thing this year now, um, my fourth year, and and four of us coaches are are back for all four years, and and then another one that's been with us the last couple of years. So I think it's important too if you can if you can keep the staff uh, that continuity. I really like that part. I think they really kind of understand uh, your expectations. Uh, we really try to get them to coach. So like a lot of times when we break off to the four baskets, I'll maybe have each one of them coaching and I'm kind of walking around, um, and, and, and then helping if I see something that's a little bit different than what I thought, I'd maybe jump in that one basket, but a lot of times they're, they're doing it. And I'm just almost like the cheerleader or, you know, trying to encourage the, the kids to go in hard and, and that type of deal. Um, I think it really is is great when you have your, your feeder coaches, and I think we've got some really good situations right now with our junior Tigers, with some people that uh, that, that really buy into the program. They're, they're good parents, that, uh, and, and then some that aren't even parents, but they just want to help, like you're saying, a former player um, that are there wanting to make the program better, and I think that's where you, you really get to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I'm fortunate enough our staff has been together for a while too so um the continuity is awesome you know giving being comfortable giving them roles giving putting one in charge of offense one in charge of defense and then i kind of help out with both has been um for me it's just been a learning process just to start delegating that took me a little longer probably than most of you guys but um but it's been awesome i have great coaches i love them both and uh they do a great job with everything that we do our freshman coach is the same way like he's involved with everything that we do 
um, we bounce ideas off each other. Um, our, I'm fortunate enough that I teach in the middle school, so I, uh, our middle school that feeds into us, I'm very close with those coaches and uh, am in close contact with them. Our feeder program is a little probably unique as far as it's so big. It involves three different high schools, and uh, the kids are not necessarily all on one team that will feed into me. So um, I actually am a part of that. I am coaching a sixth-grade team, so uh, <laughs> it's kind of been fun for me because I can um, make sure that the kids that I know that I will have, and I know obviously I've coached with Coach Prince at Elkhorn North, before so I know what she expects we run the kind of the same program so um, those kids are doing the same drills that we're doing in high school and the expectations are the same so um, I feel like I am in touch with them um, I wish at some point we'd be a little bit smaller where I could be in touch with those feeder teams even more but again we're just in a unique situation where we're so big that the kids are mixed up and I just don't have my kind of finger on all of them yeah well you know, you're living out there in the burbs and, yeah. and, and doing your thing, you know. Coaching sixth grade basketball, baby. That's where it's at. Yeah. How's the stress level with that? Oh, it's 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 actually pretty stressful when you coach your own kid. I didn't know that. So oh. uh, I'm just in sixth grade, so we'll see what happens going forward. The, As you guys probably know. Yeah. All of you know. Yes. I, it's fun. Yeah. I see. Now, these guys coach their kids yeah, at, the, at the varsity level. and. I just coached my son for yeah. eight weeks at the fifth grade level, and two stubborn Italians going head to head. You know, and it was it was uh, after the second game on the car ride home. I just told my wife this this was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. So, and the problem was is Carter probably knows more about basketball than I do, and that's probably the biggest problem of it all. So, oh, uh, Kelly, Kevin, Jen awesome night tonight uh covered a lot of good stuff i think uh, people are going to get uh, a ton of really really good things out of our conversation tonight i know i did i just didn't i didn't have my papers out to write everything down but i'll be re-listening and 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 scribbling some notes down um again thank you to you guys for for jumping out on a limb with with this whole deal when i called you up i was like god i hope they don't think i'm a moron or anything and uh um, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just been it's been really good, and and uh, I know that this whole thing has been able to help out a lot of coaches. In, I mean, if I showed you the map of the where things are, you know, lighting up all over the place, and and the people that listen, um, it's 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 pretty amazing. And um, th- this this whole thing that that that's helping out a lot of people uh, would not be possible without you guys taken that that initial leap of faith with me and and kind of you know hearing Raggy when I called her up like what uh, what is this what are you you want to talk to me what you know but uh, uh, but uh, I just can't thank you guys enough and 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 because of you guys um, this has been a vehicle that's just helped out a lot of a lot of people and and I just happen to be the guy that just records it and sends it out I you know it's the it's the guests and it's it's everything else and the people that share it so uh, thank you guys again for for taking that leap of faith a couple years ago and uh, agreeing to come on and being the the first ones on so thank you guys so much I really appreciate it so thank you Marty thank you for having us always love talking hoops thank you for doing this I know that we all learn just from sitting here and I know that I've heard a lot of people that have listened to this and learned so Thank you. 
the different drills, the 32, we've, we're putting that in, and several different ones that, that you've put out there on that pen and a napkin. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, we're, we're trying. We're trying anyway. So, um, so Kelly Flynn, Fremont High School, Kevin Chief, Wahoo High School, Jennifer Raggi, uh, from the illegal workout school of Elkhorn High School. Uh, just, just kidding. I'm just trying to put you on double secret probation. Uh, I'm just messing with you. Jennifer Raggi, uh, the girls basketball coach at Elkhorn High School. We want to thank Tom Crable at Wine 121. I don't know if you heard us chewing and munching on some some finest the finest meats and cheeses from all the lands that can be served at wine 121 here uh just behind nobby's at 120th and center here in omaha nebraska it is a great place tom has done a terrific job with this place so if you're in the omaha area come and check them out check it out just uh, let tom know that a pen and a napkin sent you uh unless you're paul markley then we're, we're still trying to hide this place from you markley so <laughs> coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time